Good morning. There we go. Last week, um, Toby kicked us off again in our teaching series in John's Gospel, looking at the first part of chapter 6, where John describes the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on water, and we hear the first of the Jesus I am statements. I am the bread of life. I'm going to pick up from that statement and read on to the end of the chapter. So if you want to start turning there in your Bibles, electronic devices, anything that you carry your Bible on. I'm starting to think of John as the benefit of hindsight gospel. We think he's had a bit more time to mull things over than the other gospel writers. As a result, this gospel is much more than a historical record. He ties reactions consequences and feelings to the telling of the memories. It's a bit like the series of blogs I've been looking at this last month. The reflections on a book that I read. Each guest blogger takes a chapter, expands on their thoughts, feelings and reactions they've had to that chapter. But there's still an obvious link back to the original source. John is a bit like that. Oh, sorry. Go back a wee bit. Uh, I'm just going to say that in the blog, a prior knowledge of the book is taken as read. There's an obvious link back to the original source. That's what John's like. (laughs) He takes some things as read, but through the way he describes some things, you can see the influence and projection of that original material. For example, John does not describe the Last Supper but the influence and practice of the Lord's Supper pervades and influences this passage that we're going to look at today. But I am getting a bit ahead of myself, so let's read the passage. It's quite a chunk, but it's good to read it all together so we can get the flow. So here we are, John chapter 6 at verse 35. I was going to pick up my Bible and read this to show you that it is actually in the book, but I need the big print, so... (laughs) age thing. Uh, Then Jesus, I'm reading from the NIV by the way, so it might be slightly different than what's on the screen. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, 
they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Jesus is expanding on his discussions that he started with the crowd as they, even after being miraculously fed, demanded a sign that they would believe in him. So what does he do? He messes with their worldview and their view of God in so many ways and on so many levels in this passage. Do you remember um, the introduction to John that Dr. Shively gave? She said that Jesus, as light of the world, illuminates the world as it really is. God 
as he really is and ourselves as we really are. The podcast is still available and highly recommended. Well, here, Jesus, Jesus is doing some illuminating and people are not liking it. First of all, the I am statement, which Jesus repeats several times in this passage in verse 35 and 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread. Phrasing it this way deliberately echoes the way that God identifies himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, I am who I am. Then Jesus explicitly says he came down from heaven, verse 38 and 51. This riles up his hearers who say, as we would say in Scotland, we can't as father. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, and father, whose father and mother we know? We know what tree he came from. We know his history, and it ain't heavenly. For good measure, Jesus also throws in a reference that will take his audience to the prophecies of Isaiah. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. This is in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. All your children will be taught by God. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but if you're interested, you should have a look at the chapters that go before and come after this and think if there's maybe some things there that Jesus wanted to bring to mind. Well, actually, I can't resist giving you one suggestion. The beginning of Isaiah chapter 55 says this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. I think there are definite echoes of those thoughts in today's passage. So Jesus is echoing the name of God given to Moses and the great deliverance prophecies of, from Isaiah in reference to himself. Shocking enough, before we even get to the part where he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But yes, he goes there. Verse 51 again. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Wait a minute. As you are going, what? He's giving us flesh to eat. What, his flesh? But Jesus persists. Verse 53 to 58. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This sounds very much like the language of the Lord's Supper. Take, eat, this is my body. This is the new covenant in my blood. 
But as I read in one of my commentaries, John 6, this chapter, is not about the Lord's Supper. Rather, the Lord's Supper is about what is described in John chapter 6. Tom Wright suggests that John doesn't describe the actual meal of the Last Supper, not because he thinks it doesn't matter or that he wants to play it down, but because he thinks it matters so much that it's important to see it as affecting the whole gospel story. So here, at the climax of his teaching in this passage, Professor Wright says, Jesus declares that in order for him to be truly united with his believing followers, it is necessary for them to munch his flesh and drink his blood. The language is shocking. Shocking to Jesus' audience then, and still shocking to us today. At least it certainly was to me. And I wanted to try and understand. I wanted to try and get to the bottom of what what he was trying to see here, but I'm not sure I've got there. But here's some thoughts on it um, from some other people who are much cleverer than me. Professor William Barclay, his thoughts on it are based on John's letter from uh, 1 John 4 verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Professor Barclay says, we must clutch and grasp and never let go of the full humanity of Jesus. To eat Christ's body is to feed on the thought of his humanity until our humanity is strengthened and cleansed and purified and irradiated by his. He goes on to say, in Jewish thought, the blood stands for the life. When Jesus said we must drink his blood, he meant that we must take his life into the very center and core of our hearts. However, Tom Wright warns against totally spiritualizing what Jesus was saying. It is possible to spiritualize it so it only meant an inner non-physical event of meditation, celebration, and grateful contemplation. All of these are important, but John insists by his choice of words, apparently the Greek word used implies munching or chewing, perhaps even with animal noises. Okay, so that's, that's pretty earthy. So John insists that it must include physical eating and drinking, leading Professor Wright to an explanation that John does indeed have in mind the Lord's Supper, a sacramental meal. Sacramental means sacred mystery, an outward and physical sign of an inward and spiritual truth. I don't believe that we eat the actual flesh of Jesus or drink his actual blood when we take communion or the Lord's Supper. But I do believe in a holy, mysterious, and beautiful connection between me and Jesus as I physically eat the bread and drink the wine. I don't know that I fully understand, and I'm not sure I'm meant to, and that's okay. If I understood it all, God would be constrained by my limited brain and wouldn't be God at all. 
Let's step back into our passage at verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The disciples here are the wider group of Jesus' followers. And it wasn't that they found this difficult and they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They understood okay. And that was the problem. This is Tom Wright again. It was more that what he had said made a huge hole in their worldview. And when that happens, some people prefer not to think about it anymore. If you go to a meeting where someone demolishes, demolishes, <laughs> put my teeth in. If you go to a meeting where someone demolishes, I can't say that. Demolishes, okay, okay. Wait, destroys the way. <laughs> if you go to a meeting where someone destroys the way you've been brought up to think, and offers you instead a way of looking at the world, which though convincing. Um, would be extremely costly, you may well find good reasons to be somewhere else next time that preacher comes to town. I was trying to think of an analogy or an example, and uh, maybe it's a bit like this. If you were a white person in South Africa, or maybe the southern USA in the 30s or 40s, you were brought up to believe that black people were inferior, but not just inferior, incapable, to be pitied because they couldn't be any better, just above animals. Then you met an educated, articulate black person who, gives, who, who, de- who explains and demonstrates that they're no way inferior to you. And given education and opportunities, they are very much equal to you. That changes your worldview and requires a change of heart that has consequences, some of which, you know, people are still struggling with today. Now, that's not a perfect example, but I wanted to give you some way to try and relate to these disciples who could just not accept what Jesus was saying. Jesus has blown their expectations and desires for a Messiah out of the water. If what he's saying is true, and you respond to him and believe in him, that puts you on the same collision course with the authorities that he's now on. They could have accepted a prophet like Moses who supplied them with bread. They could have accepted a Messiah who came with a military strategy to overthrow their oppressors. But they cannot accept the implication of this teaching that Jesus was the very life and mind of God come from heaven in the flesh and blood of a man. To see Jesus is to see God. So verses 66 to 69. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You've got to love Peter. 
I wonder if he fully grasped the implications of all that Jesus had been saying, or whether he was just as bewildered as the rest, still coming to terms with this change in worldview. But still, but yet there's something about Jesus that has him hooked. I've been a follower of Jesus for quite a while now, but I've lost count the number of times I've said to him, it's too hard. Where you're leading, what you're asking, what I'm going through, it's too hard. Don't follow Jesus if you want an easy life. But, but, even in this passage with hard teaching and difficult concepts, it's peppered with promises and assurances. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The empty places of your life, he can fill. Try to find fulfillment anywhere else and you'll be hungry and thirsty again. But not if you come to Jesus. And he promises, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. The Father draws us and enables us to come to Jesus. It's the Father's heart that all will come to know him. We can resist his advances, but if we respond, Jesus promises he won't turn anyone away. And he promises eternal life to those who believe. Not just life after death, but his life now through the Spirit. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So I'm with Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Sometimes following Jesus is hard, but it's so worth it. I have come to believe and to know that he is the Holy One of God. If you've never met Jesus before, I believe that he's inviting you to try him. See if he really is the bread of life that will satisfy your hunger. If you've been finding your walk with Jesus particularly tough and you're saying, Lord, it's too hard. I believe that Jesus is reminding you that he supplies all you need. He's the bread of life and to hang on to those promises. And I think we all need to remember boring words from Professor Barclay. In the last analysis, Christianity is not a philosophy we accept, not a theory to which we give allegiance, not something thought out, not something intellectually arrived at. It is a personal response to Jesus Christ. Please stand and I'll pray. Lord Jesus, 
thank you that your words are spirit and life. Thank you that you are the bread that satisfies our soul. Holy Spirit, we invite you to whisper invitations and to draw people to Jesus. We invite you to come and bring life. We ask for your presence to be with us as we pray for one another, as we chat to one another, and as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.